Gladiators, welcome to the latest episode of our podcast, The Arena. We are excited to have not only an incredible educator, but also a person that I am honored to call friend. Evan Ra will be speaking with us today and sharing about leadership and his latest projects. So I'm Marlena Gross-Taylor, founder of Gladiators, and coming to you as the host of this episode of our podcast, The Arena. So before we jump in with Evan, uh, Evan, say hello to everyone and let everyone who may not know who you are uh, learn a little bit about you. So tell us some fun facts and what you do. Well, I appreciate that, Marlena. My name is Evan Robb. I'm a middle school principal in Northern Virginia, about 50 miles from Dulles Airport to give people a little idea of where I am geographically. Been a principal for 19 years for a long time, been an educator for about 27 years. Uh, love working with kids, love working with teachers, and uh, day in and day out, of course, I, I love being a principal. One thing I wanna share with the audience is, Marlena, I met you through, I believe LinkedIn was where we first connected. Yes. What I can share with everyone is, Mar I reached out to Marlena, our division needed a keynote speaker. Marlena and I started getting connected, getting to know each other, and she came to Clark County and she gave an awesome keynote. Fantastic. I about it from people in my building and people in our division. Uh, and so I uh, learned a lot from you. really admire the way that you, that, you, uh, that you did it and got your message across that day. Oh, thank you, Evan. So if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, <laughs> you'll probably see me blushing right now. And if you're listening to it on one of the podcast platforms, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, then you will not be able to see me blush right now. You are too kind, my friend. Too kind. My pleasure. Okay, so Evan, what made you become an edge gladiator? Why did you get into this work? That is a, that, that's a great question. You know, initially I didn't want to. Both my parents were educators, and I think I spent a good portion of my life trying to uh, push myself in a different direction, thinking that that probably wasn't what I wanted to do. So I went through college and actually did an MBA in finance and thought that that was the direction that I wanted to go in. Uh, but towards the end of my MBA, when I started understanding what kind of jobs that would entail and, and started to reflect on who I am and what I wanted my purpose to be, uh, I came to a conclusion that teaching was where I needed to be, um, probably where I always needed to be. And uh, now that I look back, uh, no doubt that was the best decision that I ever made. So I graduated my MBA and I hung it on my wall and I started teaching civics. Uh, which was very, very different than the classes in my MBA program. And, you know, I had a wonderful time. And what I can share with everyone is my first job was 88 miles away from my home. And I remember 88 exactly because I had a commute because I didn't make enough money to be able to even rent an apartment uh, where that job was. I think I made $18,000 a year my, my first year in teaching. So I drove door to door, but I had no regrets. And then I got a job closer to home and, and I've been there ever since. Awesome, what a great story. I think I might've shared this uh, with you as well. And then I was the same way. My mom was a, a principal, middle school principal at that. Uh, come from a family of educators. And I said, this is not what I would ever consider doing. And look at us now, right? Yeah. Look at us now. So you, do you feel this is a calling? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, at some point, you know, and everyone kind of hits different points in their life. And you start reflecting on, you know, who am I? You know, what, what do I want to do? You know, what's, what's my purpose in life? And for me, my purpose was to work with kids and be able to um, help kids grow and uh, pursue whatever dreams they wanted to, to pursue. Um, and I've had the fortunate opportunity to be able to become a principal also along my path, which gives me this extra opportunity of working not only with kids, but working with teachers and parents in the community, um, all focusing on creating great opportunities for kids. So yeah, absolutely a calling. Well, you know, I'm a middle school person too. I love middle school. All of my elementary and high school listeners, uh, those are great areas. And I definitely have served uh, in both of those two areas. But middle school, that is my jam, right? And I have people that like look at me crazy, like, oh my gosh, why middle school? I know my reason. I love the age. I love the, the rawness. I love how open and real the kids are. They tell you exactly what they feel each and every day, even if you don't want to hear it. But what's your reason? Why middle school for you? You know, I think it is such an incredibly formative time for kids. You know, it's such an interesting transition between uh, elementary school and high school. It's that bridge time. And it's an awkward time for kids. You know, it was, it was awkward for me. And part of the reason that I think I gravitated towards middle school was middle school was not a great experience for me. I had some uh, rather challenging experiences when I was in middle school. So part of my calling was to be able to work with a team of teachers and be able to create an environment that was really positive and good for kids at a really awkward time in their life. And, and I agree with you. One of the things that's really so neat about middle school kids is they are incredibly honest. There's, you know, there's no hidden agendas. Uh, what you see is what you get. And uh, I am also really, I am motivated by the passion and the interest in learning that our kids demonstrate day in and day out. And I say our kids for my school, but you know, you're a middle school principal, so you know that too. Uh, kids are uh, just so excited about learning, especially when they get that really positive relationship with a teacher and they start learning something that, that's new to them and, and, and excited and start thinking about possibilities. Uh, it is just full of energy and it's wonderful. Absolutely, absolutely. So. A little birdie told me that you have a TEDx talk called Two Ways to Get into a Swimming Pool. I thought there was only one way to get into a swimming pool, but I would love for you to share with our listeners about your TEDx talk and those two ways to jump in. Well, there are two ways to get into a swimming pool, and I know that there have been times in my life where I've spent too much time dipping my toes in the water to see if it was comfortable for me to very, very gradually and slowly get in. But I think back to when I was a kid and I was much more inclined to climb on that board and just jump in. And I think that's a nice metaphor for life. I think it's a metaphor for taking risks, a metaphor for growing. And, uh, and it was a really good experience doing the, the TEDx talk. You know, I had the opportunity through social media to connect with a really good friend of mine, Chris Felicello from North Rockland. And um, I know that Chris and Gary are writing a book for you. And I will say, I cannot wait. <laughs> To actually have that book in hand. I have read part of the book and I can tell the viewing audience that it is fantastic and I uh, can't wait to get on board with that. And Chris called me um, back in November. He said, hey, we're going to do a TEDx event. You know, would you be interested? And keeping my mindset about jumping off the high dive, I said, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm in. Didn't know what I was going to do when I said I'm in, uh, but spent some time thinking about my topic, writing it out. And one of the things that I learned is that it is incredibly hard to do a TEDx talk. It takes a lot of practice. 
And I think my wife actually knows my talk still better than I do, because uh, it took about five months of about 45 minutes to an hour every day. I'm thing wow. and really trying to uh, feel like I'm in control so I can communicate this in a way that's, that hopefully resonates with people and, uh, and uh, emits my passion. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you pick that topic? Why was that important to you to speak about? You know, it was, it was important to me because uh, it, I reflected on a moment that's very true. At the beginning of my talk, um, I talk about uh, this going into the swimming pool when I was 12 years old. And it's actually a very, it's a true story. And I walked into a pool about 10 miles from here with a friend of mine. And, uh, you know, people were having a really good time. And my friend was very quick to say he was going to go off the high dive. And I was afraid, you know, I didn't want to do it. But for some reason, at, at that time, on, on that June summer day, uh, back in 1978, I'll date myself, uh, you know, I was compelled to follow him. And I followed him to the board and I climbed up. And you know, even to this day, I, I the feeling of my pulse racing and my breath is short. And uh, I was really, really unsure when I was on the board. People were looking up at me and they're laughing, thinking I'm just going to belly flop off the board. And, and I was thinking, you know, do I go feet first or, or do I just dive in? And I dove in. You know, I dove in and, and it felt great. And, it, and what it taught me was even though sometimes things in life can be scary and you might be hesitant to do it, if you do it, it might be a really good experience. And then suddenly it's not scary anymore. In fact, it can actually be fun. And so my talk is me telling that story, but hopefully inspiring other people to think about uh, high dives in their life, whether it's the actual high dive or something that's, uh, you know, a metaphorical high dive. And um, how can you use that as a way to make a leap to become better at what you do? And, uh, and that's the message. And, you know, the other message was I was inspired by my grandfather. And, and I get to tell his story in, in that TEDx talk. And that's something that's really, really important to me. Uh, he passed away a long time ago uh, in 1980, but he taught me a lot of lessons. And, and one of the things that he taught me was uh, if you work hard and you set goals for yourself and you take some chances, you can become something, whatever that is. I mean, success can be defined in lots of different ways. You know, some people it's money, other people it's, it's happiness. But whatever success means to you, you can find it. But you got to take some chances and you got to take some leaps. So I got to think about my personal experience. I got to reflect on and honor my grandfather, which, which again, is super important to me. And then package it into a story that, that's under 18 minutes long and share it with the world. And Chris gave me that chance, and I'm really grateful for him doing that. So listeners, if you have not checked out Evan's uh, TEDx talk, Two Ways to Get into a Swimming Pool, be sure to check the notes or the transcript of today's podcast. So however you're looking at this or listening to this, because we'll have the direct link there because it is absolutely amazing. So Evan, you know, a lot of times as leaders, I think that um, in general, Leaders want to take the jump, they want to dive in, but things are holding them back. So what would be your advice for, for principals that are administrators that are at the edge of the diving board, looking down, wanting to go in, but for whatever reason, something is holding them back. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's culture of current uh, district or school. How do they jump? You know, that's, that's a great question. Uh, maybe the million dollar question. You know, so at some point, one of the realizations that I came to is that if you want to 
take some risks and you want to take some chances. You know, first of all, you do have to feel safe to do it. And that then within a building, if you're a principal, that has to do with the culture and the relationships you know, that, that are created in the building. And I know you relate to that. You know, and what I say in my talk is no one's going to leap off of a high dive if they think they're going to get laughed at and made fun of, you know, or if they think they leap badly that someone's going to give them a bad evaluation. You know, so, so part of that needs to be in place that people feel liberated and free to take a chance. But the other thing that I keep coming back to, and I know that you relate to this because this resonated in, in times that I've heard you talk, is everything that we do is designed to give us exactly what we get. And so if you're not happy with something in your life personally or in your life professionally, I like to, I like to come back to, well, whatever I'm doing, it's designed to give me what I'm getting. So if I want a different effect, I need to do something different. And that may be a conservative move, but sometimes it might mean just jumping off the high dive and, and giving, giving something a chance and trying to welcome and bring something different into your life. So I, I, those, that's what I come back to is this feeling that everything I do is designed to give me what I get and what needs to happen culturally within the organization that encourages people to do that. And if you can set that up in an organization, whether it's a school or a business, and I know you have backgrounds in both and, you know, and so do I when I think back, especially to my MBA program, but it's not just in schools. You know, businesses need to make leaps too. But what I would say is that businesses are a little more likely to make leaps because there's a pressure to be competitive, a pressure to be innovative, because if businesses don't do that, they go out of business. And so in education, some of that's not there. But so I think it comes back to how do we as leaders create an environment where people feel comfortable to do that? And then are we willing to model it? Because it, you can't tell people to jump off of a high dive if you're not doing it either. Hmm. You got to do it too. Exactly. And I love the comparison that you made between like businesses, how they are quick, quicker, maybe to jump off the diving board, right, to take that chance. And it's very interesting, because in schools, that's what we are talking about. And that's what we're trying to encourage our students to take a chance, encourage our teachers, if you're a leader, to take a chance. Yet, oftentimes, our leaders, we are not willing to take that same chance. We're not willing to fail. What are the lessons? What do you think is the number one lesson that can be learned from not just taking the dive into the swimming pool, but if you fail, maybe you belly flop. What are the lessons to be learned from that? I think one of the lessons is, is it has to do with how we think about fail, failure. You know, failure can be, okay, it went bad and so I quit. Or failure can be, wow, this is an opportunity for me to reflect and think a little bit different. And maybe I can learn from this and, and try again. Uh, you know, I keep coming back to that taking risks, being willing to, to do something different is the only way, uh, you know, that we're going to find that next level, that we're going to find the greatness that, that I do believe is in everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's limited just to certain individuals, but I think that uh, people that become successful, again, however they may define success, always take chances. They take some leaps. But sometimes in society, we don't see the failures. You know, we just see the end product. And, and you know all those, you know, you've probably read these stories before about uh, Thomas Edison when he invented the light bulb. I mean, he didn't just invent the light bulb. You know, he went through a lot of different prototypes and a lot of them failed. But instead of quitting, he persevered and he kept going until he found, you know, the light bulb. And now everyone associates him with that. However, a lot of work went into getting there. So I think failure is, is about your mindset and it's about uh, how, you, how you think about it. And of course, it's, you know, the same thing for kids. Um, you know, we don't, if kids 
fail and then they quit, well, that's not helping them at all. Moves down a different path, but, but certainly some parallels there too. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your book that uh, was released a while ago, a little while ago now. You're on a roll. You're on a roll here with writing the books. And we'll talk about uh, if the rumor is true of a second book. But let's talk about the book that was recently released called 10 Minute Principle. Tell me, what is that book about and why did you write it? The, I wrote that book because I wanted to share uh, some successes that I had with people. And I wanted to be really honest about some uh, failures that I had along the way also. Uh, so hopefully people can, you know, can learn from that. And I wanted to share some ideas on how to look at time and use time, hopefully in a more productive way. Thank you so much, Evan, for sharing about your latest projects and your nuggets of wisdom regarding leadership. Listeners, if you would like to connect with Evan, please be sure to do so. You can find him on social media, on Twitter, at E-Rob Principal, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, listen to his podcast, The Rob Review. And you can also find him on his website. All of his contact information, including his brand new book, The 10-Minute Principle, can be found in the show notes, uh, no matter on what device you might be watching uh, or listening to today's episode. You can find all of his contact information there. And you can also tune in to Edge of Gladiators each and every Saturday at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we continue to gather in the arena focused on a new era of leadership, engagement, and advocacy for our students. Thank you, Evan, for stopping by and sharing with us today in our podcast, The Arena. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Until next time. Thank you.